0: hello everyone and welcome back to the other castle
1: the other castle i'm drunk
0: already no (laughs) we haven't even gotten started
1: i will be though
0: (laughs) well my name is tom
1: i'm andrea
0: and here at the other castle we break down the plot lore and more of video games
1: All your favorite games, your soon-to-be favorite games, and, you know, just classics like this. And if you've been hanging out with some of our other classic episodes, you know that this show has a drinking game. We do not actually suggest playing it for this one. You will die.
0: (laughs) We actually haven't done a single bio shot through the entire of season six yet. So far. Because I knew this game was coming, and if people like to play along with the game at home, you're going to be fucked up.
1: Don't do it for this one. Just don't do it.
0: (laughs) No, and in fact, we never encourage actual alcohol being drank during the bio shot. I personally don't drink at all, so I wouldn't be doing it with alcohol.
1: Yeah, I drink very sparingly. It's usually like if we're out. I don't drink at home almost ever. It's like, oh, can I not smoke weed here? Fine, I'll have a beer, (laughs) but... Yeah, don't do it for the swing, guys. Oh, God. Seeing <laughs> of bioshots, you're wearing a very nice sweater right now.
0: I am wearing a very nice sweater. I'm wearing a take a bioshot sweater because over on our website, theothercastlepodcast.com.
1: That's theothercastlepodcast.com.
0: You can find our merch shop, the item shop, and you can get all sorts of cool swag. You can get all of our designs on all sorts of different shit.
1: It's very cool. I have a nice loosey-goosey T.O.C. logo shirt that is very nice. And if you join our Patreon, we'll actually just
0: send you the shirt. Yeah, we will. After a while. After a while, we'll just start sending you shit.
1: Yeah, uh, one of our OG Patreons, uh, Tijan, what's up, buddy? He just got his shirt, and I was so stoked to hear it, and he said he likes it, so I am very happy with that. What's up, buddy? Uh, But yeah, join us on Patreon. We have some levels where you actually get merch. Every level gets you on our Discord and email list. And if you want to see me mentally unravel every time a game trailer comes out. (laughs) Also other things, like I play Pokemon Go with uh, people on our Discord. We have fun on there. So join the Patreon, hang out with us. It's good times. It's a great way to support the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a wonderful way to support the show by either getting our merchandise or joining the Patreon. Speaking of joining the Patreon, we want to welcome a new member of the Goomba game, Zakasi. So thank you so much for signing up. We are looking forward to talking with you in the Discord and hanging out.
1: What's up, buddy?
0: But anyway, we are here today to follow up one of the biggest games that we've done on the show. It was probably our first like real large game that we had done.
1: Oh, yeah, and it's honestly the godfather of modern gaming,
0: (laughs) frankly. In so many ways, right?
1: It's it's why there's a drinking game is because there's so much that is derived from modern gameplay and storytelling from the first of this franchise, so obviously we naturally have to follow it. Uh, If you want to check that one out for now, uh, you can check out our episode on the plot lore more of Bioshock, but today...
0: It's Bioshock 2 time.
1: Yeah, electric boogaloo.
0: And... It is so exciting to be doing this game because, like, I played this when it first came out, obviously being a huge Bioshock fan.
1: Oh, who wasn't?
0: And I played it on a trash computer <laughs> and I hated it. Oh, no. And, you know, it didn't. We'll talk about it. You know, there, there's a lot that happens <laughs> with this game and I am really excited because now I have a fresher take on it and I think I've completely changed how I see this game.
1: Okay. I've done Bioshock 1 and Infinite a couple times. I think I ran through two just like once, if that makes sense. I hope that logically sounded okay. But yeah, I think I ran through two once and I ran through Minerva's Den, which is the DLC, and went, okay, uh, it wasn't one, (laughs) which, yeah, dumbass, (laughs) that's that's exactly the point. But this is not in my uh, top tier rotation of comfort games, for sure, the way Bioshock 1 is.
0: Which is crazy because like I didn't even play Minerva's Den until a week ago.
1: Why? What? (laughs) We had it.
0: Well, no, that's the thing. Was like Bioshock Two never stuck out for me too much, so I didn't really play it again, even after the remaster or anything. And so Minerva's Den, it came out, you know, after Bioshock Two did, and I didn't care for it, so I didn't play it.
1: I have memories of telling you like I think I enjoyed Minerva's Den better than Two.
0: A lot of people did.
1: Really? Okay, so that's not an uncommon thing that I experienced with this
0: no not at all no it's not uncommon for people to enjoy Minerva's Den some people enjoy it more than any other thing that it's been in the Bioshock franchise
1: really as this DLC to two being their top tier Bioshock entry
0: yeah it's pretty wild isn't it and if you want to know what happens in Minerva's Den over on our Patreon we're gonna be covering that that should have actually just dropped today as well So
1: new Patreons, old Patreons, you guys get to hear it. And if you are on Patreon, you are hearing this episode a day early, so what's up to you one more time?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Welcome again. So let's get started, because it all begins shortly before the original Bioshock was set to release.
1: Oh, I love when they're so confident in the product, they're like, we gotta get started on another one, this shit is going for it.
0: Well, it's not the beginning of Bioshock 2 just yet, because Irrational Games, its developer, was bought by a larger company called 2K Games. I
1: am familiar with 2K. They have a headquarters here in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, and after Bioshock released, 2K renamed Irrational and split it into two different studios, as Irrational was made up of a Boston office and an Australian office. And they called these two studios 2K Boston and 2K Australia, respectively.
1: When you get to that level, they don't get exciting. They're like, EA Redwood, EA Marin.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just your location. City. Yeah. <laughs> and those two teams weren't too crazy about the new situation. And a couple members from each moved to the little town of Nevada, California, which is a non-coastal part of the Bay Area, where they formed 2K Marin, named after the county where Nevada, California resided.
1: Can I tell you, growing up from in the Bay Area... There was a fucking diamond commercial that would go, you have a friend in the diamond industry in Novato and a bunch of other places. So if that also triggered anyone from the East Bay, I feel you.
0: (laughs) So it's like the Bay Area's diamond district?
1: Yeah. No.
0: No? (laughs) It was just some
1: dude that bought every commercial available on the radio in the 90s.
0: Hey, good for him. Yeah. Well, 2K had a hit on their hands with Bioshock, and they wanted a sequel ASAP.
1: Did Bioshock hit critical and customer acclaim right when it launched or was it kind of a sleeper that rose up
0: it was a sleeper that rose up but like the reviews for it were crazy high
1: okay so critically total smash and then people started catching on and that was pre-internet wave of reviews and walkthroughs and shit so it things did have to take a longer time to get up to big sales that they need to i get you
0: entirely it needed actual word of mouth to work totally Everyone at the new 2K Marin had worked together on the original Bioshock, including level designer Jordan Thomas. And he took on the role of creative director for the new Bioshock 2.
1: He got a promotion. That's what's up.
0: Yeah, because the problem was the person that didn't come along from Irrational Games was Bioshock creator and lead Ken Levine. Big Daddy? The Big Daddy of the Big Daddies. (laughs) And Ken has been extremely diplomatic when talking about Bioshock 2. And I feel he has been very honest with how he feels about it. He turned it down because he just didn't want to return to Rapture.
1: Okay, I think that's very fair.
0: Yeah, he felt that he had said everything he wanted to say about it. Okay. And he felt that if the Bioshock series was going to continue, it would need to be more like the Final Fantasy series in that the sequels are not connected to one another.
1: Okay, so he's like, I could do something with the structure, but let's change up the fucking setting.
0: And the timeline that 2K had presented to him was just too short for him to create an entire new world and story to explore.
1: So with the timeline given, he would have to bring back Rapture just for the sake of like the water elements and the design and the aesthetics and things like that.
0: Yeah, they wanted like a, ah. two and a half, three year turnover on this.
1: That's really fast for video games.
0: So he decided he's going to go off and show them what he meant. But that's a story for another time. Oh, The remaining team set about making a sequel to Bioshock without its creator.
1: Without its Andrew. Well, Andrew Ryan dies in the first one, spoilers.
0: That's fair, yeah. The leader does die. So I I think that's
1: actually, you know, very telling of the world. And is this a art imitates life or vice versa situation where the creator of the world leaves and (laughs) is only lightly referenced and okay, anyway. I'm I'm thinking too deeply into it, and we just started, so keep going.
0: Well, they decided to take Rapture and, like, amp it up to a new degree. So they set it a few years after the events of the first game, and they created a new leader for Rapture. And they gave her a cult of splicers at her beck and call and referred to them as the Family of Rapture.
1: I love a good cult.
0: A good cult is always essential to a good game, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And sometimes a bad game.
0: True. Also, bad games get cults.
1: (laughs) But no, sometimes bad games get good cults.
0: That's true. (laughs) See our Far Cry 5 episode for more information.
1: Or we happy few, frankly. (laughs) A lot of cults. We love a good cult.
0: They knew that in order to succeed, they needed to remain familiar while also innovating on what came before. And in some areas they succeeded, and others they failed. Because as Jordan Thomas said in an interview any surprise setbacks or sleight-of-hand twists need to feel fair to the player in hindsight. And that's a lot harder than it sounds. How do you follow up Would You Kindly and not repeat it?
1: Oh, you can't. It was a perfect gaming twist that is still revered as one of the greatest gaming moments of all time.
0: And, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of look back and you think, is that the only thing that was spectacular about Bioshock? And it's not, obviously, but it's... The thing that people talk about the most when they talk about what was great about Bioshock.
1: Totally. It ruins your brain, which is a good thing. <laughs> <the game. laughs> I, you say Bioshock, though, my mind also goes to crashing the plane and coming down and seeing the whale go by you and all the fights with splicers. But no, I, I, I certainly understand where the would you kindly is like, you know, those was the reason M. Night Shyamalan was very popular. <laughs> for right, a long exactly. Time too.
0: But if you keep returning back to the twist ending all the time, it's going to get really repetitive and boring.
1: Yeah, like M. Night Shyamalan.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, ultimately, in a lot of ways, Bioshock 2 was really just more Bioshock.
1: (laughs) Additional Bioshock. Bioshocked.
0: But to improve on the formula, they needed to introduce new characters and bad guys to kill. And with such a great foil as the Big Daddy, they needed something different, but similar. So they invented the Big Sister.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that there is no mother in this family that structure that they've built.
0: Uh, there is, just not yet.
1: Okay. And it's been a while since I played this, so this may feel new.
0: A lot of this is gonna feel new, because like, even knowing the story of Bioshock 2, going through this again, I was like. Wait, this fucking happened?
1: Oh, okay, cool. There's
0: a lot of surprises coming. Love that. And the Big Sister is really just like a skinnier, faster version of the Big Daddy. Yeah. Who can also use plasmids.
1: Visually, I think she looks a lot like the assassins in Overwatch in the Venice Archives mission. I know that's a very specific thing to call out,
0: but she looks
1: (laughs) so much like the Splicers in that. And maybe I've just played that section too much where it's
0: burned into my brain. So much so you just called it a Splicer.
1: Did I? Fuck me. (laughs) Oh no! It's an assassin. I know better.
0: Well, they wanted her movements to resemble that of a ballet dancer crossed with a three-legged dog. What the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> like graceful yet chaotic.
1: No, no, like black lab swan, that's not a thing. What <laughs> the fuck did you just say? Graceful and chaotic? No. Black lab swan?
0: <laughs> Holy shit. That was incredible. Shut
1: up. No, don't don't encourage me.
0: No, wow. <laughs> You we don't, didn't plan that at all. We don't
1: rehearse these guys if that's not very, very, very clear. <laughs> but that's the point, right? Like you're going black swan, you're going clumsy dog. It's
0: that was the idea, what the yeah. Fuck?
1: How do you get to that intersection?
0: <laughs> I don't know, because some of the things they talk about, like when they come up with the big sister, it really is just very confusing. But I'll tell you what, the big sister works.
1: The, does she give Black Lab Swan? Like, is that The energy you're getting from her?
0: Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And the big sisters get the most versatile AI in the game as well, making them able to track and battle you from anywhere on a section's map.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: So wherever you are, she'll find you.
1: For 2010, that's pretty
0: pushing the envelope. Very much so. And Jordan Thomas refers to it as a dynamically generated boss fight that responds to your behavior. And it lives right there in the simulation with you, so it's not scripted in the traditional sense.
1: Oh, that's cool. Hello, neighbor who. You're welcome. I love that.
0: Yeah, a traditional boss fight usually happens in, like, an arena or a specific room.
1: Yeah, where it's a very clear environmental space where they know how to react to your gameplay and where you're standing and shit.
0: Big sisters are a boss fight that can happen literally anywhere in the game. That's fucking cool. That's really cool, really innovative. And it's one of those things where, as a gamer, you don't notice it until it's pointed out to you. You know, like I didn't think about the fact that boss fights only happen in arenas, but yeah, they absolutely always do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I see you. Whether yes. it's an
0: artificial arena or not, there's always a specific place where you're fighting these boss fights, but yeah. you don't fight them just on the road in the middle of the story.
1: Yeah, because they want to keep you in bounds, so to speak. Right. But with this one, they're like, fuck it, go for it. It
0: can happen anywhere.
1: Ooh, that's what makes it so scary.
0: The plasmids also return, and it's the exact same set of plasmids from the first game for the most part.
1: And the plasmids are the superpowers you can do in your left hand.
0: Correct. And they have improved the upgrades, though, like the second and third tier, for example, of Electro Bolt. It adds new abilities to the plasmid instead of just doing more damage.
1: What are your favorite plasmids?
0: Ooh, my favorite plasmids the hypnotized plasmid is op as fuck
1: it is when you get to shoot someone and they join your team and start killing their friends
0: yeah and then there is one in minerva's den that is exclusive to minerva's den that does not appear in any other bioshock oh shit and that one's probably my favorite one called gravity well
1: okay i always have a soft spot for swarm which is
0: the bees the bees is great the bees (laughs) is a wonderful distraction
1: it is, and it's so ridiculous that they because the bees come out of you.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: they—they're not like the swarm comes up from behind you where you don't see it. They're like, nah, fuck it, you made those bees. Those are your bees. It's great. And then in Infinite, it's birds.
0: Yeah, Rapture doesn't have a bees are dying problem down there. They can no. just create more. <laughs> But yeah, if you charge the second tier of the, like, lightning bolt, for example, you'll do, like, a chain lightning, and (gasps) the third one will literally fry an entire fucking room of targets.
1: Oh, that's so, that's so satisfying. I, the plasma gameplay is incredible, and I'm so excited for these other games, like Judas and Atomic Heart that are coming out that seem to have something similar, because it's so satisfying. And clearly, we've been doing this for 15 years now, so. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Well, to round out the team and the game. They also brought back composer Gary Scheiman, who has worked on every Bioshock game in the series.
1: Oh, Bioshock's music does not get enough love. I know, obviously, it's like the storytelling, the setting, the gameplay, all obviously top tier, but the music is so delightfully atmospheric and puts you in such a headspace of the time period you're in, which is kind of that mid to late 60s is where one and two end up, right?
0: Yeah, he's responsible for those incredible strings that you just Mm. can't get out of your head.
1: Mm. And even just, it makes the loading pages not feel stupid. Right. Most loading pages feel dumb as hell. <laughs> you know, I played Red Dead 2 on our PS4. It takes 20 minutes to load. It's terrible. <laughs> but with Bioshock, even when you're busting through levels or kind of going up an elevator or whatever, it feels good because you're still like, I'm vibing. Like, I'm here. I'm underwater. Let's fucking go.
0: Totally. Well, the game released on February 9th, 2010, which means it just celebrated its 13th birthday. Oh!
1: happy birthday
0: on the playstation 3 the xbox 360 and pcs the reviews came in at a solid 88 percent on metacritic
1: that is strong as hell
0: and it sold barely 3 million copies which was much less than the projected 5 to 7 million that 2k was hoping for
1: oh no i mean what do you think happened
0: People just weren't as amped on Bioshock 2 as they were for the first, because it was just more Bioshock, and we were just there three years earlier.
1: Mm. So Ken's sitting over there like, I was fucking right.
0: Yeah, a lot of gamers, and myself included, just didn't think much of the story when compared to the magnificence that was Bioshock.
1: Yeah, I get that. So when we look at how this game was delivered to gamers, obviously a quick turnaround, so like, you guys loved Bioshock, Shit just came out. Dust is finally settling on it. How do they speak to Bioshock 2 coming out? Was it like, we're returning to Rapture?
0: Yeah, it was about returning to Rapture. And it was about, you know, introducing you to this new big sister, especially. That was the big, like, draw for the game was the big sister. Yeah. And it was more or less just telling you, hey, we're back at Rapture. There's more Bioshock coming. The other big thing they were really advertising was the fact that it was going to have multiplayer.
1: Oh, oh, shit. There's multiplayer in this one?
0: There was. There isn't any longer.
1: Oh, what happened to multiplayer?
0: It was, again, a hit or miss situation where the people that were playing on it really enjoyed it, but hardly anybody was playing the game in general. Oh. So it was like people that finished the game, didn't love it, were like, I don't really want to care about multiplayer
1: i don't need to bring other people into this
0: (laughs) yeah so it just didn't take off the way it should have and a lot of people that played it were just like no this was one of the best multiplayer experiences ever it's kind of a prequel series to bioshock in general it's about the fall of bioshock the (gasps) multiplayer world is
1: Ooh, that's kind of cool
0: it's really neat and they use a lot of the characters as the like playable characters from the series to like show what they were doing to fight to survive the fall of Rapture. Huh. So they tried to give it a story, at the very least, with the multiplayer, but it was, you know, they were trying to kind of do too much.
1: Okay, so they are a little too ambitious.
0: I think so, yeah. They
1: choked on their own ambition.
0: And I think the problem, too, is that, like, people didn't really understand what their own expectations for the game should have been. Okay. You know? And so the game kind of just came and went without much fanfare
1: the fuck did they manage to get three off with this kind of shit for two? Uh, That's another day, obviously, but that's really, that's wild that it kind of just DOA, you know? Like, landed dead.
0: Yeah. And that's why 2K ended up releasing the massive DLC called Minerva's Den.
1: Oh, okay, so they're like, we promise there's good shit in here, guys.
0: Yeah, and that takes place concurrently to Bioshock 2.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: And it was much better received and gamers were extremely satisfied with this addition to the series, but it didn't sell more copies of the game. It just gave the people who did buy it more to do.
1: (laughs) So if you're already in the club, you get to benefit, but no one joined the club because of this. Oh, no. And it's that's funny you say that, too, because kind of the big issue is we're still in Rapture. It's just more. And it's like, well, Minerva's Dead is still in Rapture. So anyway, I've played them all. I remember liking Minerva's Dead better than two.
0: Yeah, it's all good premise, mediocre execution. Got it. The nice thing is, time has been extremely kind to BioShock 2.
1: Oh, it, that is rare for a video game. Very not, rare. Video games do not always age well.
0: It received a remaster along with the rest of the series for the PlayStation 4 in 2016. This brought a whole new audience to the game.
1: I think that's when I started playing all the BioShocks.
0: And this audience was much more comfortable with bingeing content. <gasps>
1: Oh, Netflix made it better. <laughs> That's actually really funny to be like, I ran through one. You can run through one in one entire day. I've done it in a sitting. And then you just keep the party going with two and two and a half with Minerva's Den. That's cool.
0: So now that it is grouped with the entirety of the series, there are people that have come around to now arguing that it's possible Bioshock 2 is actually the best in the Bioshock franchise.
1: Really? Unironically.
0: Unironically. Huh. I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to come around on it. Really? Even Ken Levine, the father of Bioshock.
1: The big daddy of Bioshock. Excuse
0: me. Has said that he fully accepts Bioshock 2 and Minerva's Den to be the completion of the rapture story and considers them full canon in the universe of Bioshock.
1: He doesn't have to be this kind. He doesn't. No. (laughs) He doesn't owe anyone anything. But I, I do appreciate that from him.
0: Well, let's get your bio shots ready, Goombas. No, don't
1: do it. Do not do it. Drink water. Maybe have some vegetables. Have a vegetable shot. Have a vegetable. That's something healthy. Brussels sprout shot.
0: Yeah, get one of those wheatgrass shots that you would get at like Jamba Juice or whatever. Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Why does it taste like bitter grass? (laughs) No. Okay, fine. Do what you gotta do. We do not encourage binge drinking on this show.
0: (laughs) Especially if you are... Operating heavy machinery.
1: Or anything. Honestly, don't do it. Binge drinking isn't that fun, guys. When you're gonna get to an age where you have a two day hangover and it is not
0: fun. Anyway, this is Bioshock 2. The year is 1958. Our location is Rapture. We're thrown into a cutscene, which is the only one where we're not in control. It's in first person, like in the first game when the plane crashes but this is a little longer than that one. We're mid-stride as someone approaching a hole in the wall that's encased in gold that fans of the original game recognize Mm. as portholes the little sisters crawl through.
1: I hate these. They creep me out.
0: You bang on the wall, and a little sister comes out. She's much cleaner than the little sisters from the first game, as Rapture didn't fall until New Year's Eve 1959. And the first game took place just about a year after that incident. But as we'll see quickly, things are already on the decline. Oh no. The little sister asks you to take her to play. And as you walk with her, you catch your reflection and see that you are an early model Big Daddy. Mm -hmm. In the first game, a Big Daddy had a head like an upside down fish tank style diving suit.
1: It was very OG scuba suit, yeah.
0: And this one is still similar to a diving suit, but it's the kind where the helmet resembles a hood with a porthole instead. And the little sister runs ahead, and we see her using one of those big-ass needles to drain the atom out of a dead body lying on the ground. (coughs) As we approach, she drinks the atom straight out of the needle and then runs off saying, there are more angels over here. Oh, God. She runs ahead and gets away from you. And as you're trudging along trying to catch up, You hear her start screaming. You get to a balcony and down below, you see the little sister being harassed by some old-timey gangsters. You jump down to her rescue and land on one of the gangsters' heads, forcing it to the ground and Mm. crushing it under your foot. (laughs) That's fucking sick. You look up and flex out your right arm, which has the classic Big Daddy drill.
1: I You know what? The drill's fucking great.
0: It is such a great fucking weapon.
1: And you don't see that a lot. You see the drill in the excavator in Incredibles, and that's kind of it. People people are sleeping on the fucking drill.
0: Not Big Daddy, though. And you drive it through another gangster, blood flying everywhere. But one throws a weird green ball at you, and it bursts, and everything now has a green tint to it. You're subdued and no longer fighting. A woman enters the room saying to stop fighting, you're no longer a threat. She stands between you and the little sister, saying that you are not her father. Her name is Eleanor, and she belongs to me. She commands you to kneel and remove your helmet. That's fucking gangster. And you do. She then tells you to take out your gun and put it to your head. And you do. (gasps) She then says, fire. And you do.
1: Oh my god. I do not remember anything that happened to Bioshock 2, clearly. What the fuck?
0: The last thing you hear is little sister Eleanor yelling out for daddy as you pull the trigger, and everything goes black. Oh, fuck. Title screen, Bioshock 2. We start to wake up, and we can hear a radio with a woman's voice asking if we're okay. As we stand, we catch a reflection, and we see we have our helmet on and are the same big daddy as before. We're still in Rapture, but it's more like the Rapture from the first game. But like an area that had been hit really hard by the fall of Rapture, and it's like flooding and collapsing and shit.
1: Oh, so it's like way more decrepit.
0: Yeah. And glancing around, you can see you are outside one of those Vita Chamber things from the first game. Like if you played that one, you remember that when you died while playing, you were always resurrected in these little auto save spawn point pods. Oh, yeah. And you catch glimpses of a little sister in the shadows running around, and you follow it through some rundown corridors. And it does a great job of teaching you the basic controls while delivering visual exposition much in the same way the first game did. But they clearly recognize that being a sequel to a hit as big as Bioshock, they didn't need to introduce Rapture in the same way the first game did. They just needed to introduce them to this version of Rapture.
1: (laughs) This area of town, yeah.
0: And as you're going through this version of Rapture, you're seeing that it is extremely run down. And there's overgrowth and leaks and the place is fucking thrashed. You're also seeing graffiti saying, Lamb is watching. Well, that's horrifying. It really is. Because if you were playing with the subtitles on, you already know that Lamb was the woman who told you to put the gun to your head. (laughs) Eventually, you find a glowing gift. A plasmid, the classic electrobolts. Oh, iconic. And a big daddy who can use plasmids? Girl.
1: (laughs) Truly the best of both worlds. Holy shit. So in your right hand, you have probably the coolest melee and fighting weapon of all time. A drill. A gigantic drill. Not just a fucking little drill, a big boy drill. And then in your left hand magic
0: (laughs) lightning at your fingertips
1: oh it's so fucking cool now with the big daddy it's through a glove though right like you don't see a hand
0: correct yeah it's through your glove And honestly, I'd say this system's better than the first game in that you get to use the plasmids and your weapon at the same time. You
1: don't have to switch back and forth? You don't
0: have to switch back and forth.
1: That's pretty cool. Oh, I get that in the first one you had a weapon wheel of different guns and uh, melee weapons you could pick up. So that kind of makes more sense to have it be a little more versatile in this one where the only variety you really get is how to use your drill and then what plasmid you have in your left hand.
0: Yeah. But getting your first plasmid does fuck you up a bit and you fall to your knees.
1: It's a big process. You gotta inject shit. It's <laughs> it changes your DNA basically
0: entirely. And the little sister you were chasing approaches you, saying that you were sleeping for a long time and that mommy misses you. Aww. Find her and you'll be better. And the horror music strings swell <laughs> as some tall, skinny, armored being comes sprinting by, snatching up the little sister and runs down a hallway. Oh no. This was our introduction to the Big Sister. Oh, that's good. As we chase them down, we get a radio signal from a woman named Dr. Bridget Tenenbaum. We met her in the first game, and she created the Little Sister program. And given the good ending, she helped Jack escape with them at the end of the first game. We find out this is a few years after the events of the first game, about eight or nine years later.
1: That's a long time.
0: It really is, and that's why everything's so fucking run down. Tenenbaum recently found out that little sisters have been turning up drowned on shores, which meant someone was continuing her work back in Rapture.
1: Oh, is she above ground?
0: She went above ground with Jack. Okay. Yeah, they're assuming the good ending from Bioshock.
1: Got it. Okay. So that's, we're going to say that's canonical. She's like, ah, I fucking liberated. Yeah. I'm out.
0: So she returned to make sure the program was shut down once and for all to protect any more little sisters from suffering.
1: Totally. There's only so many children in this world, so let's not turn them into little creeps.
0: Right? And you finally find the little sister you were chasing, and it's draining a dead body of Adam. So it's doing its little sister thing. Exactly. Exactly what it's supposed to be doing. She's excited to see you, and then you hear a deafening screech. (laughs) And I read an interview with lead audio designer Michael Kemper. And in the interview, he says that there are ten different sounds layered, stretched, and distorted to make the sound of the big sister.
1: Holy shit, really?
0: Using everything from hyenas and different birds to his wife pretending to be a dolphin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you work with what you got. I love everything about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and get used to this sound because you're going to hear it a lot through this game.
1: His wife must be so proud.
0: (laughs) She should be, right? It's her iconic dolphin impression. Yeah. You look up in time to see the big sister come flying through the air, and she lands on top of you. But you're a big daddy with plasmids now, so you manage to kick her off. And you fight her, and she runs away. One of the things I really like about the weaponry in this game, though, is that it does result in a bit more of like a primitive gun system than the first game, because you are a big daddy. Okay,
1: because yeah. Because you have
0: to like switch out your entire arm.
1: Oh, I don't remember being able to drop the drill. So you can take the drill off, basically, and change it out for shit?
0: Yeah, because if you remember in the first game, even, you fought different styles of big daddies, and not all of them had a drill attachment. Some of them had big guns on them, too. That's true. So you can basically switch out your arm. So it. Gives you a bit more of a primitive gun system, but it also makes the difficulty level a bit more realistic than the first game was.
1: Right, because instead of turning a weapon wheel, you have to take the time to, like, swap out your arm.
0: Yeah, and I think, honestly, this game, this is one of those things that it improved upon over the first.
1: Okay, very cool.
0: And you chase after the fleeing big sister, and this girl is agile, agile while you are our lumbering big daddy. <laughs> I,
1: I remember being frustrated by the movability and being like, I am trapped in this stupid bulky body.
0: Yeah, it's not quite as bad as Henry in Bendy and the Ink Machine.
1: Well, he is a 60-year-old who gets thrown through the <laughs> bottom of a fucking hell path and is just fine with it, so I get it.
0: But Big Sister, she can climb walls, ceilings, sprint at high speeds, basically everything you can't do.
1: She's your athletic Big Sister.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you catch up to her in a grand ballroom that has tall glass walls looking out into the ocean beyond. And you're on one of those classic Bioshock balconies. And I feel like this is the kind of reference that gets a Bioshock in this episode, honestly. (laughs) Because, yeah, this game is all Bioshock, but there's some moments that are just blatant repeats of motifs.
1: (laughs) So, some of that you would argue is, you know, in honor, and some you would argue are copycat.
0: Yeah, exactly. And those are the moments that are going to get bio shots in this episode.
1: Okay. That's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie.
0: And yeah, while the balcony is a repeat, what comes next is not. The big sister runs across the glass wall and shatters it.
1: Oh, shit. Women breaking the glass ceiling. Hell yeah, sister
0: turning the ocean beyond into the ocean right here. Oh, no. (laughs) Fortunately, we're a big daddy, and big daddies are fine being underwater. They're in dive suits, after all.
1: Yeah, it's basically a scuba suit.
0: As you roam through the outside of Rapture, still underwater, you see into the inside, and you watch as another big daddy protects its little sister and fights off a group of splicers.
1: Is the implication here that a big daddy is kind of assigned to a little sister?
0: Yeah, that's always been the case, even with the first game. There's always a big daddy that comes along with a little sister. Okay. And this big daddy is clearly an upgrade from the first game to anyone who played it, as it's using, like, turrets and shit to fight. Hell yeah. But you walk through some more, and here they give their big rapture reveal. And this is another Bioshock moment, as the music swells, and we see rapture, and instead of the whale, we get a shark swim by. Oh, I fucking love a shark. It's a good-sized shark, too, yeah.
1: I have a few shark tattoos. I am all about the shark life.
0: And if you look closely, you can see the tail end of an airplane crashed into (gasps) the side of a seawall.
1: Oh, yay. I like that.
0: Yeah, it's a good little nod to the first game as well. But you move on to the next area and find an airlock back into Rapture, because these airlocks exist because Big Daddies were always used to repair Rapture even back in its heyday. Tenenbaum gets back in touch with you, referring to you as Subject Delta, and says to meet her upstairs, and she'll tell you what she knows about you. As you make your way to meet up with her, you find a security monitor, and Dr. Lamb's face appears. She says she recognizes you and that she swears she watched you die 10 years ago. (gasps) No matter, these guys will fix that, and you get attacked, and the room you're in catches fire.
1: Oh my god, that's so fucking cool.
0: And as you watch your health drain and you get truly overwhelmed, the floor gives out, and you plummet below, back into the ocean.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: And from time to time throughout the game, you get these flashes where you can't see your environment, but instead you're seeing an image of like a white void that sometimes has images and it's from Eleanor. Oh. The little sister from the first moments of the game and she's a young adult now. Oh. And she always opens every conversation by referring to you as father.
1: Father's so much more formal than big daddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, than daddy, right? She's like
1: I grew up now. I'm not calling you daddy.
0: Now you're Faja. father. <laughs> And in this one, she's saying mother is keeping you two apart and that you need to reunite.
1: Is this a divorce therapy game?
0: Uh, You know, it's not, but you're not off on like her desires.
1: (laughs) Bioshock 2, stay together for the kids.
0: But these images are always just flashes and you're always brought back to the reality pretty quickly. You make it to where Tenenbaum is and she tells you what she knows. You are known as Subject Delta and you're an early model Big Daddy. You were the first successful attempt at bonding to a little sister in the Big Daddy program. Aww! Being the first, you were bonded to a single little sister. And that little sister's name is Eleanor Lamb, the daughter of Dr. Sophia Lamb. Eleanor is being held captive by Dr. Lamb on the other side of Rapture at a place called Fontaine Futuristics.
1: Fontaine.
0: Go to her if you want her to live.
1: What other motivations do you have at this point in the game?
0: Yeah, you don't really have much, like...
1: (laughs) You came out of a coma, presumably, or something terrible, and (laughs) you're like, yeah, I guess, let's go do this.
0: It's ten years later, let's at least go find the girl that I died for.
1: Yeah, let's go catch up.
0: Tenenbaum is in a room with a bunch of little sisters, and she's trying to track them all down to help them escape back up top and ultimately shut down whatever Sophia Lamb did to get the little sister program back up and running
1: you know what, good, she should do that. She should absolutely take full responsibility for her bullshit and save who she can.
0: Oh, she takes full responsibility for it. She feels terrible at this point. Oh, good. As she's talking, Dr. Lamb broadcasts onto a TV screen in the room, and it's very Big Brother. uh Get it? Big Brother, Big Sister. I see you. Big Daddy.
1: We're filling out the family tree here.
0: Yeah, I get it. In the broadcast, she's warning her cult, the Family of Rapture, to watch out for Subject Delta. And your picture fills the screen.
1: Oh, no. Is it just of, like, you in the Big Daddy suit? Yes. So yeah, it's just, it's, like, this specific Big Daddy?
0: It's a Big Daddy, and you have the Greek symbol for Delta imprinted on your hand, or on your glove.
1: Oh. So it looks like you just pledged
0: a frat. Right. <laughs> she says, you are without soul or empathy, and everyone should fear you.
1: It sounds like she's kind of devoid of some empathy here, but go off.
0: Yeah. In fact, she even says, tear out your jaw and drive you back into the sea. Oh my god, that's fucking sick, I'm not gonna lie. She's mean. And Tenenbaum's like, well shit, you're dangerous to be around. I need to get these kids out of here. (laughs) You get the fuck away from me. Yeah. I'll call you.
1: (laughs) We'll stay in touch later, buddy. You gotta go.
0: After you fight off the enraged and scared cultists of Rapture, Tenenbaum does call and apologizes, but she needs to keep the kids safe. And she's going to go hide out.
1: Totally reasonable.
0: So she introduces you to a man named Augustus Sinclair.
1: God, I love the names in these.
0: An ally. And then she disconnects. And tune in to our Patreon show for the Minerva's Den DLC to find out what happened to her, because we will not be seeing her again in this game.
1: She just fucks off entirely? For the
0: entire rest of the game. Oh,
1: shit. I don't remember a single goddamn thing that happened (laughs) in this game, clearly. I know Big Sisters exist. That's it. I'm here for the ride.
0: Well, Sinclair introduces himself, and he is a smooth-sounding, old-fashioned southern sports.
1: Oh, fun.
0: And this is yet another Bioshop moment, because you just met your guy on the radio.
1: No. No.
0: He tells you to come to Fontaine Amusements to meet up and talk about how to get to Eleanor.
1: Would you kindly come meet me? No, 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 no. This is bad. Danger.
0: Oh, yeah, and all of us playing this game kept looking, you know, for some kind of repeated phrase or anything, you know? <laughs> we're, we all, they knew we were going to go into this game with those kinds of eyes.
1: Yeah, it's going into Dead Space 2 looking at the chapter titles.
0: It's that kind of shit, yeah, and it's just... They knew the audience they were going to have, and so they tried to play to them at every moment, and I think they do an excellent job of doing it. And that's why I say I don't think anybody knew what their expectations were supposed to be.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fair. So, like, you can't pull the same thing off again, so what are you doing? But I'm also still very on edge, knowing that we have a guy in the chair giving us directions.
0: Upon your arrival, he points out that the way forward is blocked with ice. But there's an incinerate plasmid nearby that will give you the power of fire so you can melt it.
1: That's really convenient.
0: And you go looking for it. And on the way, he explains that you are an Alpha Series model of the Big Daddy program, one of the very first Big Daddies. And given the name Delta, you could probably guess how few came before you.
1: (laughs) They only failed a couple times before you came around. So it's it's kind of an honor, actually.
0: Exactly right. Well, now in order to get your incinerate plasmid, you need to obtain Atom. Sinclair explains how little sisters will extract Atom from the bodies of dead splicers. Fans of the first game remember that splicers are citizens of Rapture that have gone insane due to their addiction to plasmids and Atom. Sinclair teaches you how to find a big daddy and little sister combo and tells you to kill the big daddy so that the little sister will bond with you since you are a big daddy, despite operating on software version (laughs) 1.4.
1: So... What is the makeup of a big daddy? There's a person in there, right? Are you a sentient robot? Like, what is, what are they attributing this to?
0: Well, Alpha Series is different from the version of big daddies that we know, like the common ones.
1: Okay, got you.
0: Uh, The common ones that we know are kinds of freaks of nature. They were kind of bred to be big daddies.
1: Like a master chief.
0: A little bit, but not in a good way.
1: Oh, bad Master Chief.
0: These were people with physical deformities or something was wrong with them that they kind of, you know, they were using people with problems to be big daddies because they couldn't figure out what else to do with them.
1: Oh, okay. So it's not a sentient robot. Got it. No. It's like a Deadpool situation.
0: Yeah, there's very much a barely human in there.
1: Oh, God. Okay. Thank you for the context.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, if you kill one of the big daddies, you get their little sister, and that way you can use that little sister to collect Adam from dead bodies. And this mechanic gets repeated constantly throughout the game as you grow stronger and gain more plasmid powers. And after you collect all the little sisters in an area you fight the big sister who wants all that Adam you just took for herself. And like, I don't really care for the little sisters in this game. (laughs) Because you have to interact with them a ton more than you did in the first. And it's not their fault. It's just that the sexualization of the word daddy (laughs) makes some of their lines really uncomfortable.
1: You know, not to kink shame, but it's really ruined the (laughs) Bioshock universe to be using daddy sexually.
0: Yeah, like, my daddy has the bestest toys.
1: Ah.
0: I'm a good girl, daddy. Ah. I'm going to tell all the other girls I have the best daddy.
1: Nope, nope, nope. Yeah,
0: it's just... It takes them from being creepy for having glowing eyes to being creepy because I feel sexually harassed by a child. (laughs)
1: You're like, I'm just trying to play the pew-pew game. Please leave me alone.
0: Yeah, stop saying daddy at me. I'm not comfortable with that.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: Well, after they collect enough atom, you get the same choice as the first game. You can save them or harvest them. And your choices will affect the end of the game.
1: It's kind of fucked up if you harvest them now, right?
0: It's pretty fucked up.
1: Like, more so than when Jack harvested them. He was returning to Rapture after not realizing he was from there. He... You know, he was shooting his way through and trying to bring the downfall of Rapture. Like, this is different.
0: Yeah, and Sinclair, our guy on the radio, does not try to drive you in either direction. He just presents all the options available to you.
1: I appreciate a neutral party.
0: Yeah, he's very neutral. And once you get your incinerate plasmid, you melt the ice, and Sinclair joins you on the train as you head further into Rapture together to find Eleanor.
1: So you see him in person. He's not fully a voice on the radio.
0: Yeah, you do get to see him in person from time to time.
1: Okay, so you're like, I could kick your ass if you lied to me.
0: Yeah, easily. (laughs) Perfect. The next area you enter is called Popper's Drop. And Sinclair used to own a hotel here. That's cool. But a woman named Grace Holloway chased him out of his own place, and now she runs this area.
1: What a psycho. What? (laughs) Just, I'm gonna chase you out, I'm gonna drive you crazy enough that you just give up on your property? Yes. That's insane.
0: So you're probably here for a little bit more reason than you know. (laughs) In order to continue, you're gonna need her access card to open the doorway to the next section of Rapture. And Grace is watching on security cameras and she speaks out to you, saying she remembers you, Delta, and how you twisted and turned Eleanor into a creature she doesn't recognize.
1: Oh, shit. You are like the most famous Big Daddy.
0: Of all of the Big Daddies, right? Clearly. As we find out, Grace Holloway was babysitting Eleanor the night she got kidnapped
1: Aww.
0: and placed into the Little Sister program. Oh she feels an insane amount of guilt for it happening under her watch.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Sophia Lamb is also talking to you through your radio, and she explains that Grace Holloway was just a singer who had something to sing about. That's it? She'd make songs mocking Andrew Ryan. (gasps) Oh, shit. So he had her shunned and outcast. Wow. And she became a beacon for the anti-Andrew Ryan movement. Why would you want to fight against someone like that? As you go through and listen to these two lunatics, <laughs> it's clear that Dr. Lamb and Holloway have some kind of agreement. Lamb allows her to control Popper's drop, and Holloway claims loyalty to Dr. Lamb due to the guilt of getting her daughter kidnapped.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And you eventually find the room in which she's hiding, and it's a big security door with a little round window. And she tells the story of the night Eleanor was taken for like the third time this zone.
1: So she just keeps reiterating shit from this horrible night that she's traumatized by?
0: Yeah, she adds a little bit more information every time, so I just kind of summarizes it all together. Okay. But then one day she saw Eleanor all fucked up walking along the road with you. And when she went to get Eleanor back, you smacked her across the face and broke her jaw.
1: Oh, shit.
0: And she offers you the key card to move on and invites you in to finish the job if you want. Oh, and here you get a choice. You can kill her or let her live. Prove her right or prove her wrong. That's really up to you.
1: Does is there longer repercussions for either one?
0: Oh, absolutely. There are.
1: Ah, Which one do you do
0: for her? You know, I think I let her live. I think she deserved to live. She feels a lot of guilt for what she did.
1: You are a peaceful big daddy.
0: Yeah. And whichever you choose, Sinclair will support your decision.
1: Okay. He's, he sounds at least like a good sidekick. He's like, all right, buddy, you got this. You're in the suit.
0: Yeah, but he does tell you to get back to the train. And your choice of whether or not to kill Grace will result in either her helping you get back to the train or not. And she'll even send you random care packages throughout the game to help you too if she lived.
1: Oh, that's cool. Okay, so it's kind of nice if you let her live.
0: A little bit, yeah. You take off for the next zone, and on the way, a radio signal comes in from a man named Father Wales, and he says he's not having visitors today. And two torpedoes come flying at your underwater train, and you get thrown out and onto the seafloor below. Oh
1: shit, that's wild.
0: And Sinclair is fine, the car he was in sealed itself off, but the area he's in is fully flooded.
1: Oh no, so he's kind of trapped.
0: So he's very trapped, and you need to go find the drain. And honestly, drain pumps are the generator of this fucking game. I swear to God.
1: <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent of the fucking generator. Oh, yeah. no.
0: And you find an airlock into a dry area. And this area is controlled by the aforementioned Father Whales.
1: Is it whales like the nautical animal?
0: No, it's W-A-L-E-S.
1: Oh, that's disappointing. We are in an <laughs> underwater city. Please be thematic.
0: That's too heavy handed.
1: I think it's funny.
0: He does remind me of another character that comes up later in the Bioshock series, but not in this game.
1: Is there another whale?
0: No. You make your way through the zone, and it's actually a really cool map. It's kind of like this amusement park, western town feel to it.
1: I remember this section. I, I remember telling you, like, oh, is the one that has the theme park. And you're like, the fuck are you talking about?
0: Yeah, it does. And it's honestly probably the most memorable map in the game.
1: Okay, that's why it's the only one I remember.
0: Yeah, and eventually you do square off with Father Wales. And his office has the pump in it, after all.
1: Of course it does.
0: So you kill him and hit the pump, saving Sinclair from suffocating on his own CO2.
1: Killer whales.
0: Dr. Lamb radios in and is pissed at you for killing the people that are controlling little pockets of rapture. And since you killed Father Whales, this area no longer has a leader and therefore needs to be sunk.
1: How can you, in full seriousness, keep referring to people as Father Whales? That's an insane thing to say. <laughs> like, does she hear herself?
0: Well, she starts to uh, flood the area because Father Wales is no more.
1: She's dramatic.
0: And this sequence is fucking great because you can see water coming in from all angles and it like, slowly starts rising. Oh, that's cool. And then you finally get to a door and that door explodes <gasps> and fills the hallways. Oh,
1: shit. that's That's satisfying.
0: Yeah. And then you're in the western town part again and everyone's dead. Bodies of splicers and big daddies are just floating lifeless in the water, and then a shark swims by and eats one. Like, it's (laughs) fucking
1: great. I love that so much.
0: You make your way to an airlock into the next zone where Sinclair's train car had crashed, and it's dry there because you hit the pump. He's already out, and he has made his way to this area's train station, and he invites you to meet up. This new area is called Dionysus Park. It was built by Dr. Sophia Lamb as a retreat for the wealthy, where she would also conduct secret social experiments on them.
1: <laughs> she
0: would. Including a time where she flooded it, killing everyone inside.
1: It's a little GLaDOS.
0: But the papers dismissed it as like a cult thing that went wrong. <laughs> and Dr. Lamb is mad you drained it because leaving it flooded was part of the memorial to the people that died there. Oh,
1: shit! Wait, that's really funny. (laughs) It was a memorial flooding, you fuck, you disrespectful shit. Um, Babe, you killed them in the first place. It's it's weird to have your corpse aquarium in memoriam for people. Like, that's a weird thing to do.
0: Well, despite having been flooded, it's already full of splicers. (laughs) And there's also a man here, a man named Stanley Poole, and he has access to to the train station.
1: See, everyone has slightly aquatic names. We're getting whales. We're getting pool. Come on.
0: <laughs> Lean in.
1: Give me something a little better.
0: And boy, has he got a deal for you.
1: Uh-oh. He sounds like a flim man.
0: Stanley was in the zone just next to Dionysus Park. And the moment it was accessible again, little sisters came looking for Adam, which brought splicers. Uh-oh. And big daddies. He hates Dr. Lamb and wants to shut down the Little Sisters program. But now Dionysus Park has Little Sisters running around. So he needs you to clear them out however you want to do that, and then he'll help you move forward. I love Dionysus Park because you get a double dump of lore and backstory here. Yeah. And both are from people trying to gain or maintain your trust. Hmm. As you save the Little Sisters, Eleanor communicates with you telepathically. And tells you that she knows Stanley.
1: Is this in one of those kind of flashes where it's the white and yeah, you're trying to her again? Okay.
0: And she shows like little glimpses of the memories she has as well. Stanley was put in charge of Dionysus Park after Dr. Lamb got locked up by Andrew Ryan for speaking out against him. Stanley spent all her money throwing wild parties for the rich and famous. He
1: just drained her account while she was in jail.
0: Yeah, he did it just to fuck her over. (laughs) Eleanor later revealed to Stanley that she knew about the parties and the money being spent, and that she was going to tell her mom all about it.
1: Next time I go see my mom in rapture jail, I'm going to tell on you.
0: So he kidnapped her and put her in an orphanage.
1: (gasps) He's, oh shit.
0: In retaliation, and to cover his tracks, he threw one more party. And then flooded the place, killing everyone inside who might be able to reveal the truth to anyone.
1: Wow! Oh, shit!
0: So Stanley doesn't know you're getting this information about him. And he continues to work to gain your trust.
1: That's... Fascinating. So instead of the direct double cross of Bioshock 1, you're seeing kind of a double double cross here where we're A triple cross. A triple yeah, we're getting the story of a double cross while someone's trying to gain your trust. So you're getting different sides of the coins. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. That's
1: complex as fuck. I love it.
0: So Stanley, here's how he tries to gain your trust. Stanley says he found your file and he knows your history. You were a deep sea diver that everyone called johnny topside
1: that's a terrible name sorry
0: it's terrible johnny it's awful
1: topside you're this close to johnny tsunami and you couldn't do it because disney channel would sue you like lean in be like sting ray you know like manta ray fucking topside really eat farts that's fucking ridiculous i hate it please keep going
0: well you found rapture entirely by accident on your own.
1: Wow. While
0: testing new diving equipment. Huh. And Rapture was built for the best and the brightest. You were just an idiot man who was conned into testing deep water diving equipment.
1: Does he say idiot man? Because that would be my favorite
0: thing. I don't think he says idiot man, but he does call him dumb because it's like, honestly, the person testing deep water diving, what happens if it fails? You're dead. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so you don't send your brightest person down to test that out.
1: He really said, "You're a diver whose last name is topside, and your whole thing is jumping under the breaching the surface and go fuck yourself." I hate this guy.
0: And since Rapture was supposed to be a secret, they kept you there oh, and shit. used the technology in your diving suit to create the first Big Daddies. Huh? Stanley thinks Dr. Lamb has no idea he's there. But she radios to you and says she's known he was there the entire time.
1: (laughs) He's an idiot man.
0: She has cameras all over Rapture. She was just over it with him and what he had done. The person who should be mad at Stanley is you, Delta. There was no file that he found about you. This is all just shit he knows. Because he was the one that found you (gasps) floating around outside Rapture. Oh, shit. He was the one that turned you over to Andrew Ryan and sealed your fate. He
1: stays kidnapping people that don't need to be kidnapped. Right? What the fuck? He's got
0: like one move.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's steal the body.
0: <laughs> I'm a kidnapping man.
1: He's an idiot man. I hate him. He. I, I felt like he was a flim flam man, and I stand by it.
0: Well, Stanley has the train ready for you, and you get to decide what you want to do with Stanley.
1: I would like to kill Stanley.
0: Because it's his fault Eleanor became a little sister. It's also his fault you became Delta. But you would also be helping out Dr. Lamb by killing him. Mm. Because why else would she tell you all this if it wasn't what she wanted you to do from the beginning?
1: Damn it. Don't do that to me. Mm.
0: Well, regardless of your decision, you finally make it to Fontaine Futuristics, where Dr. Sophia Lamb is keeping Eleanor. But before you can get to the final confrontation, you have to meet Gilbert Alexander.
1: Gilbert Alexander. See? The game volleys between really great bombastic full names that feel like old timey and timeless at the same time. You know, they're like rich people names. And then you get shit like, I'm Johnny Topside. I'm the best <laughs> diver this side of the Atlantic. I'm gonna dive off this... Because uh, technically, Rapture is like underneath the lighthouse. So I'm right. gonna go over to this lighthouse and jump into the water. And then someone <laughs> kidnaps him and everyone's like, ah, oh, shit, I guess the equipment didn't work. On the surface, he's dead. His family's right. been mourning him for a decade. <laughs> I'm unraveling. I'm sorry. Please You're not keep wrong going.
0: about any of it.
1: <laughs> but I am upset about all of it. Anyway...
0: Well, you meet Gilbert Alexander via TV screen. Kind of. He's left a message saying that by the time you are hearing this, he will be clinically insane.
1: I was hoping is, if you're reading this, it's too late.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is that, but it is not the cliche of I'm already dead. Yeah. It's I'm fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. It's almost like when you see the letters in The Last of Us of people being like, I just got bit. I'm going to lose my mind in 10 minutes. <laughs> Tell my family I love them.
0: Right. And Sinclair says he remembers Gil Alexander as having something to do with the Big Daddy program way back in the day. The message says that he has more information scattered throughout his facility to help you navigate against the insane version of himself. And we meet the insane version of himself in the very next room. Oh no. He's going by Alexander the Great now.
1: Hell yeah. That's not crazy. That's just narcissism. Like, that's not a fair uh, moniker. He's just... Up his own ass.
0: Well, he's represented by a flying drone with a small TV screen displaying his right eye.
1: Never mind. I love this. This is a perfect villain. What the fuck? This sounds like a Saturday morning 90s cartoon
0: villain. It really does, right?
1: Like, it's giving a little modoc, but, like, making a drone? (laughs) There's something there. I love it.
0: He threatens you and flies off as he recognizes Delta from the early days of the Big Daddy program because Delta is the most famous fucking Big Daddy in the world.
1: Clearly.
0: He then unleashes a new kind of big daddy for you to fight. Kind of new.
1: Daddy on daddy crime?
0: He unleashes another alpha series big daddy, which you haven't fought yet. And these kinds don't come with little sisters. They're just really hard, relatively fast and agile big daddies.
1: Do you think these are more like security big daddies for the ultra rich and powerful or something if they're not necessarily tied to a little sister?
0: You'll be surprised to find out we get a full explanation about these Alpha Series Big Daddies. Oh, hell yeah. So Gil the Good and Alexander the Great work against each other to help or hinder you on your way.
1: I hate everything.
0: At one point, Alexander the Great asks, Why do you think you can use plasmids unlike the other Big Daddies?
1: Hmm. Oh!
0: And he takes you to a room where he says... They used to test all the plasmids on you.
1: (gasps) He was the guinea pig for plasmids, period?
0: He was the human guinea pig before he was even a big daddy.
1: He's not even supposed to be here today. He was at work and got kidnapped at work.
0: And Gil the Good was the one who did that.
1: Oh, of course he was. There's only like 18 people in Rapture. (laughs) And they're all fucking terrible.
0: Well, you make it into the office of Frank Fontaine. Mm. And if that name sounds familiar to you... Where's my shot glass? It's because he's the reason we all have trust issues in video games whenever there's someone on the fucking radio talking to us.
1: And in life. I've talked about this with my therapist, and it took so long for us to move in because of Frank Fontaine.
0: Yeah, he was the one we knew as Atlas in the first game, and he later revealed to be the big bad of the first game, ultimately.
1: Ugh. He's good. He's so good. I fucking love him.
0: And just as you're here remembering that betrayal... Sinclair radios you and reminds you to go find where Alexander the Great is hiding. Dr. Lamb radios in afterwards and asks, What does Sinclair have to gain by working with you? If you can't immediately come up with an answer, then it means he's hiding something from you. Mm. In one of Gil the Good's messages, he talks about the Alpha series and why they moved on from it. The Alpha series of Big Daddies were all designed to be chemically bonded to a single little sister each which worked out great, until their little sister died. Oh no. Without that chemical bond, it would drive the Alpha series crazy.
1: Because they're missing their one function, right?
0: Yeah, and the best they could do was kind of point them in the direction of something they wanted destroyed.
1: Oh. Oh, that's fascinating. So, like, especially as, um, you know... They get ripped apart and stuff as things go on. They're like, all right, I guess you're a wrecking ball now.
0: Yeah, they're kind of a wrecking ball for them. So the next round of big daddies could bond with any little sister as opposed to just one. And they did that using pheromones instead of chemical bonding, which we did learn in the first game.
1: I don't like that this happens through smell. That also feels a little too sexual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, I, I get like, you know, when there's a baby and you smell the head and it smells like, oh, it's like a new car, but as a people. I don't like it underwater. I don't like it for an eight-year-old.
0: I mean, these are not morally good people to begin with. <laughs> okay,
1: that's fair. The con- <laughs> core concept of rapture, no laws, no gods. Yeah, gotcha.
0: only man. And Sinclair is like, well, shit. <laughs> we need to get you back with Eleanor quickly before you lose your freaking mind.
1: Oh, no. He needs the pheromones.
0: Well, he needs that chemical connection, because he doesn't have the feminine. Oh, he was
1: pre-pheromones. Got it.
0: Yeah, he's the very first.
1: So he's he's on a ticking time bomb.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and in fact, his is so strong that without Eleanor, like, if Eleanor were to die, he would die.
1: Oh, shit. So there's also some hive mind at work here.
0: Yeah, but it's just because his is such an early version of it. Gotcha. We also find out the origin of the big sister program. Hmm. They put the oldest of the Little Sisters into an especially designed suit and basically gave her the Marvel superhero workout routine.
1: (laughs) Baby girl's ripped now.
0: Yeah, it came out of necessity as they tried to figure out what to do with Little Sisters as they grew up. Hmm. In the meantime, you figure out how to get to where Alexander the Great is. You need its genetic code to open the door. And I'm very much saying it because Alexander the Great is no longer human in any form. (laughs) Oh, no. He is a giant brain creature floating in a tank of dirty liquid.
1: I said MODOK earlier. Everyone caught that, right? (laughs) Like, play it back. I called MODOK.
0: I mean, he's some freak of nature abomination. And (laughs) even Gil the Good's recording wants you to kill it. (laughs)
1: No one thinks this should be sentient or
0: alive. Honestly, it's a mercy killing at this point. The thing is clearly in, like, so much agony just existing.
1: Sorry. I don't remember anything that happened in this fucking game. This is insane to me. I love it.
0: And you can let it live or kill it with electricity. And it's so gory as bright red blood (laughs) fills the tank And then it, like, turns to, like, the black, murky blood as it
1: dies. Oh, God. Ew.
0: And you look around, and you realize Eleanor isn't here. And Sinclair was worried it would come to this. And he directs you back out into the water to a secret door he knows about. It leads to a place called Persephone. And it was Rapture's secret prison. (gasps) Oh, no. When they built Rapture, they found a tunnel system. The system went through this underwater mountain, and on the other side, they found an abyss. And they built this prison out over the abyss, and Andrew Ryan would keep troublemakers there. Sometimes, actual criminals. Sometimes, people he just didn't like.
1: So, like, Lamb was there?
0: Lamb was there, and sometimes people who were out testing scuba equipment and accidentally discovered an underwater city.
1: So, you were there. Oh, God. Johnny Topside. I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> it's sounds stupid as hell.
0: It's, you were trying to be so serious. I could <laughs> hear it in your voice. I was
1: trying to be genuine and then I said his name and it's bad. It's still, oh. you
0: can't even make it come back around.
1: Can't wait, can we at least go with Jonathan?
0: Just call it Delta.
1: Delta, yeah. Fuck.
0: You make it to Persephone and Dr. Lamb has turned it into more of a lab now. Oh. But she utilizes the fact that it was a prison to keep Eleanor captive. The cell holding Eleanor is all windows, and it's just a bed and a toilet.
1: Oh, God.
0: Sinclair tells you to do whatever you have to in order to get her out. Dr. Lamb sends a couple big sisters to fuck your day up, but you beat them and go to open up the door to Eleanor's cell. And this whole time, she's just been sleeping there in, like, in the bed in a nightgown.
1: Oh, poor Eleanor.
0: And the way into the cell has an airlock chamber, and you make it into the first portion, And as you do, Sinclair's radio signal cuts out. Dr. Lamb is seen sitting in a chair looking over Eleanor. She says that Eleanor just wanted a happily ever after.
1: Oh, honey.
0: She wanted to see mother and father together in some sick fantasy family situation. She says that it took a few years, but Eleanor figured out a way to bring you back. She gained the trust of a little sister, having been one herself once. She told the little sister where to find your body.
1: She utilized the Big Sister Little Sister Mentorship Program? Yeah. Oh.
0: Then, they'd stab your body with their big-ass needles (gasps) and remove your genetic code. Then they'd store it in their stuffed Big Daddy dolls until (gasps) they could collect enough to bring you back. Oh. The little sisters put your genetic goop into one of the many Vita Chambers around Rapture. And they used it to bring you back to life.
1: Holy shit.
0: And I love this so fucking much because this is a huge and constant problem in so many video games. They always ignore resurrecting abilities when it comes to someone dying in video games.
1: Yeah. You brush it off as like, "Eh, yeah, it's a video game.
0: You can have resurrection spells, magic potions, defibrillators, even made up bullshit like Vita Chambers.
1: In Grand Theft Auto, you wake up at a hospital.
0: Right. But if someone dies in a cutscene, those things no longer exist.
1: Yeah, there's nothing available.
0: And there's been so many times throughout gaming where you've seen someone get stabbed with like a knife and they fucking die.
1: And you're like, no, people can survive that.
0: But you've watched them take a million bullets to the face in the actual (laughs) gameplay.
1: Right. So actually acknowledging that exists in World and utilizing it as a tool rather than just... A game function. Yeah, that's fucking sick.
0: And they embrace this resurrecting ability that they introduced into the game and used it to make the game possible from the start.
1: I love that.
0: And honestly, I've never seen a video game do this, and I fucking love them for doing it. Hell yeah. Anyway, Dr. Lamb goes on to say that since you resurrected, Eleanor has been watching you. Oh. Eleanor herself is still in the bed, writhing around like she's having a nightmare, but she's not awake. Oh, honey. And since she holds such a high opinion of you, she sees everything you've done as being the right way to live.
1: Daddy's coming to rescue me, and he's been doing everything he can. Well,
0: yeah, but you've also been killing your way through rapture to get to her, so you're not a great example. Hmm. Because even if you've saved all the little sisters, you've still killed a lot of people to get here. That's true. And this has turned Eleanor into something she never was before. And Dr. Lamb can't forgive you for it. Oh, She says that since the Vita Chambers bring you back, she has to get rid of you a different way.
1: Oh my god.
0: If Eleanor dies, your bond to her will be broken. Since you were such an early model of the Alpha series, like I said, you don't have the same fate as the other Alpha series. Instead of just losing your mind, you're going to lose all purpose and slip into a coma and eventually die.
1: You just like fully catatonic like there is nothing left and you just, what the fuck?
0: So Dr. Lamb takes a pillow, (gasps) asks Eleanor for her forgiveness, and then smothers her with the pillow. What a bitch! And you try to break into the room to rescue her. And Eleanor's heartbeat fills your ears as it gets slower. Oh, my God. And slower. Holy shit. And as it slows, your vision starts to blur and fade. Mm. And you fall to the ground. And Dr. Lan throws Eleanor down next to you. And she is completely unconscious. And you hear her heart's final beat. And the screen goes black.
1: Oh, my God.
0: From the blackness, we hear Dr. Lamb tell someone to make sure you do not die. Because if you die, you'll just resurrect somewhere else.
1: (laughs) So her whole endgame is like, keep him on a leash so he doesn't come back.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. And you wake up fully restrained to a medical bed.
1: Oh my god. And it's
0: a typical rapture setting still, like falling apart and everything, but you're still in like a medical room. And Eleanor radios to you. She died. Just long enough for her chemical bond to you to sever. And then Dr. Lamb was able to bring her back through good old-fashioned doctor shit. Oh, shit. So she sends you a little sister to help out.
1: So she's like, hey, I did die. Everything's fine, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was just long enough to, like, disconnect.
0: Yeah, so their chemical bond is fully broken now.
1: But she's like, I can still telepathically bond and send messages with you. Entirely. All right, girl.
0: The little sister gives you an injection with her giant-ass needle. And suddenly, you're looking down on Delta from the perspective of the little sister. Aww. Delta is now in control of the little sister. And the world looks very different when you see it through the eyes of a little sister.
1: I do remember the Sukun and so I was like, you get to play as a little sister? This is fucking weird.
0: It's like in We Happy Few when you take your joy.
1: Oh, yes it is. Oh, I remember it. It's all coming back to me.
0: The horrors around you look like something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Like her giant needle, for example, is more or less a baby bottle. Rapture is an old castle covered in tapestries and lined with red carpets. The splicers are just adults in tuxedos wearing masquerade ball masks. This whole section is great because you keep seeing the world you've known looking completely different.
1: Oh, it's so good.
0: Eleanor now speaks to you telepathically, saying she knows it's weird, but this is how she was able to bring you back. Aww. She was controlling the little sisters that brought you back. And it's how Dr. Lamb has not been able to catch her helping all this time. Wow. And you learn why little sisters talk the way they do. Like, they call the dead bodies that they're sucking the atom out of angels. Right. All the time. Because what they see is a person lying peacefully on the ground with big angel wings drawn in chalk beneath them, surrounded by rose petals and blue butterflies flapping about. When in reality, it's a rotting corpse <laughs> covered in blood and flies.
1: It's very We Happy Few. We happy yeah. few owes, we owe We Happy Few a couple bio shots for that one.
0: <laughs> and being a little sister, you move through Rapture pretty effortlessly as everyone ignores you. You find the controls that are keeping your real body strapped in and locked up. And you disable them. Eleanor then says the reason she didn't do this herself is because dying for just a sec has left her too weak. The only way she's getting out of here is with some help. The help she needs is a big sister suit. She wants you to collect the pieces of one to bring to her so she can become a big sister. And take this bio shot with a twist of lemon, because this is a great homage to you needing to collect a Big Daddy suit in the first game.
1: I was just saying, like, we did this before. I love it. And you go to the factory and shit.
0: Yeah. And while you're collecting the suit, you keep seeing flashes of the reality around you. Like, you find the body portion of the suit, and it's a yellow dress, like out of Beauty and the Beast. And you can hear ballroom music playing. Then you flash to reality. And see this wetsuit-looking thing just (laughs) hanging limply. There's puddles and overgrowth, and a man is just screaming for his life somewhere in the distance. (laughs) And then it fades back into fantasy land, and the screams turn to laughter.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love that so much.
0: As you grab the princess dress and move on.
1: Little sister vision is the shit.
0: And Eleanor keeps chiming in to exposition dump, as this is a pretty actionless sequence, being a little sister just collecting clothes. Right. Dr. Lamb has kept her in a medically induced state of nothingness
1: oh, for the last God. 10 years. Oh, so she's just been a vegetable.
0: And while Eleanor was catatonic, Dr. Lamb was trying to fix Eleanor's brain from being a little sister by using large amounts of atom.
1: Oh, my God.
0: But every time she let Eleanor off the drugs, she asked about father. This is why Dr. Lamb hates Delta so much. Oh. Her child was kidnapped and brainwashed and chemically bonded to you. And no matter what she does to reverse it, Eleanor is still bonded to you. Oh, God. Which is why she was willing to go so far as to temporarily kill her own daughter, Just to sever that bond.
1: Oh my lord.
0: And what she didn't notice, because she's a fucking psychopath, was that she had tortured this poor girl Mm. to the point that she drove her into the arms of Delta, even after all the bonds were broken between the two.
1: Holy shit. This is happening during a fetch quest? Right (laughs) now, you notoriously hate fetch quests. But but if you
0: can dump some good exposition into it, I will eat it the fuck. I was gonna say,
1: you sound. This is fucking great. Like you can't even knock this one for being a fetch quest because you're getting a wild fucking story.
0: Because at the end of the day, Eleanor and Delta truly had a love for one another, Mm. and that was something that Doctor Lamb could not break.
1: I do appreciate that Delta is D and then Eleanor is E in, like, the sequence of alphabetical.
0: That's pretty good, yeah. something
1: there. I like that. Oh, my God.
0: But this is another example of the power of love just conquering everything.
1: Hell, yeah. Under the sea.
0: And this section also explains the whole Vita Chamber thing and how it works, like, kind of
1: just the science behind like it's revitalizing and shit like
0: that yeah it has to do with like extracting the genetic signature out of a body uploading it into the vita chamber and then the vita chamber can pluck it out of time and space at the moment just before they had died or some shit
1: oh I don't
0: know it's underwater city science magic yeah so it's best not to think too hard on it I mean we're shooting fucking bees out of our hands
1: no no Hands out of our gloves. Yeah. <laughs> the B power comes through the metal.
0: Hey, Spider Man's powers go through his gloves, so. That's true. Take it back.
1: Well, I'm um, actually. <laughs> Garfield and Holland do not have it going through their gloves. They have a machine. Anyway, I will not let you disparage the Raimi trilogy for how innovative it was and how it stands out above the rest. Go on.
0: That's fine, because you go back to the cell where Eleanor is being kept. Eleanor reiterates what Dr. Lamb had told you, and says that she learned from you about how to treat people, especially the little sisters. Oh. You give her the big sister outfit, and she'll start with this one. And she picks you up, and whether you were saving or sacrificing the little sisters, she does the same to this one. The screen goes blurry, and you wake up back in the lab as Delta, strapped to a chair. Eleanor radios and tells you she'll be there soon. And you watch through a window as she tears ass down the hallway. Hell yeah. Killing the biggest and baddest splicers in the game with one swift motion.
1: Hell yeah. Muscle atrophy. Who? Kill him, baby girl.
0: And she frees you and gives you a plasmid that will allow you to call on her to help whenever you need.
1: You get a summon plasmid? You
0: get a summon plasmid. And she just like vanishes in a puff of purple smoke like Nightcrawler in (laughs) X-Men.
1: That's fucking sick.
0: And she's seriously a great ally to have. Like earlier you were asking me about my favorite plasmin and I said the hypnotize one. Yeah. It allows you to make an enemy into one of your allies. And as it grows in power, it can control bigger enemies. And so this is the same green ball that was thrown at Delta at the very beginning of the game.
1: Oh shit. And
0: it's how Dr. Lamb forced you to shoot yourself in the head.
1: Oh my god.
0: Having Big Sister as a companion is similar to when you have an enemy under your control. And she operates completely independently, and she's like incredibly fast. She can teleport, and she is remarkably strong.
1: Hell yeah, Eleanor.
0: You fight your way out of the facility, and Dr. Lamb radios saying that escaping to the surface isn't an option.
1: Johnny, you can't go topside.
0: We're all monsters, and monsters don't belong on the surface.
1: Oh my God, what a
0: bitch. They belong down here, so we all must go down and stay down. Together, Eleanor realizes Dr. Lamb's going to sink Persephone into the abyss below. Oh, no. And that the two of you need to find Sinclair and get the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah, you definitely do.
0: So you find an escape vessel. It's owned by a company called Sinclair Solutions.
1: Hmm, that's handy.
0: Because as it turns out, Sinclair built and operated this secret underwater prison.
1: Oh, no!
0: The hotel business was just his front.
1: Son of a fuck. We are all monsters.
0: He's also nowhere to be found. And you haven't heard from him since he cut out back when you found Eleanor.
1: That's not good. Oh, no.
0: Dr. Lamb taunts you and tells you that you were a fool for trusting a man like Sinclair.
1: Ugh, she's probably
0: right. His plan was always to get you to this point. So he could use his personal bathysphere to get out of rapture.
1: No! You can't ever trust the friend even if you see them in person. Bioshock is just a study on why everyone needs to be in therapy. Whether it be mommy and daddy issues, your child of divorce, whatever. Whether you have trust issues from playing the Bioshocks. <laughs> just the, the core concept is go to fucking therapy.
0: Well, back when Dr. Lamb was imprisoned here by Andrew Ryan... Sinclair actually agreed with her philosophies and enlisted her help. Oh. He encouraged experimentation on the inmates. And he was the one who rented you out for the plasmid trials.
1: Oh, shit. He rented you out? I hate how you phrase that. That's horrifying.
0: And then he ultimately sold you off to the Big Daddy program in the end.
1: Oh, my God. He's going to get a drill to the fucking face.
0: And even though Sinclair agreed with her, Dr. Lamb didn't agree with him. So she gained the trust of the inmates, and they overthrew Sinclair <laughs> and drove him out of Persephone. Dr. Lamb offers to stop her plan of sinking Persephone if Delta and Eleanor surrender. Obviously, you're not into that. No. And you try to get into the escape pod. But it's sealed off, so you and Eleanor go looking for a way to get in. Dr. Lamb once again taunts you as you enter a room. Because Sinclair is in there, dressed in a big daddy suit. (gasps) Shut up. Holding the key to his lifeboat.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Eleanor warns you that Dr. Lamb is using the hypnotized plasmid on him. And she has him under her control. But you need to stop him. As you chase him, Sinclair talks to you.
1: While he's hypnotized?
0: While he's hypnotized.
1: Oh, that's so fucked up.
0: He can control what he says, but not what he's doing.
1: Oh, God.
0: He apologizes because he's being forced to stop you from leaving. He manages to tell you where he's going to be hiding and that he needs you to come kill him.
1: Oh, fuck.
0: He would rather die a man than live as an enslaved big daddy.
1: Hell yeah. He's like, no offense, but <laughs> please kill me. I don't want your life.
0: Meanwhile, Dr. Lamb is making offers to Eleanor saying she's already waiting on the escape vessel and Eleanor can come along, just as long as she leaves Delta behind.
1: Mommy and Daddy need to calm the fuck down.
0: Well, Sinclair apologizes for what he did to you. He realizes that he's paying for it now, and he's willing to die because of it.
1: He's gonna have to. I think that's kind of the path we're going down, buddy.
0: You can have the lifeboat. Just please kill him before you leave.
1: Oh my god.
0: And we will take one more bio shot and maybe pour a little bit of it out, depending on how you feel about him, as you grant Sinclair his final wish and get the key so you can make your escape. Since the escape vehicle is meant to be used only as a last ditch effort, releasing its moorings also releases the prisoners from their cells.
1: Hell yeah, I love that. It's like the end of Cabin in the Woods, bitch. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs)
0: Remember how we said that the old Alpha series big daddies have lost their minds and now they just point them in the direction that they need to fight?
1: Yeah, they're wrecking balls.
0: This is where they keep them in the meantime.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: You and Eleanor fight your way back to the escape pod, and it's more or less steam powered. You need to boil the water around it to make it work. But you don't have the power you need, and so Eleanor says you need to enlist the help of the little sisters. They're stronger than anyone realizes. With their help, they can boil the water, and all of you can escape to the surface together. Oh! Somehow.
1: Because of boiling.
0: Because of boiling. Yes. So you get a shitload of little sisters together and go back to the docking bay. And if you had sacrificed even one little sister, they will not help you in the next part. Oh, shit. Eleanor teleports herself and the little sisters to Outside Rapture in the water beyond. And for some reason, the little sisters can also breathe underwater. Oh, sure. And they all turn bright orange as if they had all just turned super hot. Oh. And the water around them begins to steam and boil. Huh. This releases the vessel, but you're still not on it. Eleanor teleports back to guide you to the actual door. But the pressure is all fucked between the outside and the inside. So you need to bring the outside to the inside. And you break some glass and flood the interior. You make it to a hallway through an airlock and you're once again dry. Eleanor runs off down a corridor and turns a corner. She says the bombs to sink Persephone are about to blow. You turn the corner too and you see a wall of explosives in your way. Oh shit. Eleanor skids to a stop and turns to look back at you. And you watch her teleport just before the bombs explode in your face. Ah! Oh. You fall deep towards the abyss. And the escape vessel comes into view below. You reach out and just manage to grab a railing as it zooms upward. You look out at Rapture as you quickly rise above it. You pull yourself up onto the roof of the escape pod, and you can see inside it. Dr. Lamb is in there, floating, as it is full of water. (laughs) And she is drowning. Good. Eleanor is talking to you in your head, saying, you taught her to forgive. And that it's better to show someone a better world than it is to take them out of it.
1: Oh, Eleanor. You need some bloodlust. Mommy and Daddy are both real bloodlusty. You did not get that from either of them.
0: What the fuck? This is sweet. I don't want
1: her to be sweet. I want her to be mean.
0: Okay, that's fine. Because... You'll get that option, too.
1: Oh, okay, cool.
0: And you watch Eleanor swim up to Dr. Lamb in her big sister outfit and give her an oxygen mask. And that's what happens if you saved all the little sisters and let at least one of the three optional deaths live.
1: Oh, okay.
0: If you kill all the optional characters, Eleanor says, you taught her that bad people need to be punished.
1: Yeah, <laughs> bloodlust. Let's go.
0: She never wanted to kill Mother, but after what she did... Mother clearly deserves to die. <gasps> and you watch Dr. Lamb suffocate and drown underwater instead while Eleanor holds her down.
1: In all fairness, if you live in rapture, there's probably a good chance you're going to drown at some point. So, like, this That's wasn't crazy. Fair, yeah. Oh,
0: good. And there's a few other combinations of this scene based on if you killed the little sisters or not, but it's just dialogue that she says. Okay. But it's really just whether she kills Dr. Lamb or lets her stay alive. But that's just the first half of this ending. In the good ending, you come bursting up out of the water, and Eleanor is looking down at you. She says the world isn't ready for her, but with you by her side, she'll know the right moves to make. Mm. And she stabs you with her giant-ass little sister needle. And we see that same transfer we saw before when we turned into a little sister, except this time, we're dead. And Eleanor is just going to keep a part of our essence with her all the time. What the fuck? Take one last bio shot as she looks out and sees the lighthouse Jack entered at the start of the first game. And she is surrounded by little sisters. They hand her a toy Big Daddy, one of the ones they use to help bring you back to life. Mm. And she drops it into the ocean, no longer needing it. In the sad ending... Having harvested the little sisters and shit, Eleanor says you turned her into a murderous monster. And just before stabbing you with her needle, you're given a choice. You can save yourself or sacrifice yourself. Huh. And you only get those choices if you played more or less a neutral run by, like, saving some and killing some. Okay. But if you killed literally everyone, you don't get a choice, and the (laughs) save yourself option is automatic. Okay. So if you sacrifice yourself, you stop her from stabbing you, and you let your injuries take you over, and you just die looking at the lighthouse. But if you save yourself instead, Eleanor stabs you, and it's like an evil version of the good ending. The world still isn't ready for the destruction that she's about to rain down on them, (laughs) and she wants you by her side as like an evil Jiminy Cricket. Oh, good teaching her how to manipulate and cheat her way through life and how to kill to get her way.
1: Oh my god.
0: And you see through Eleanor's eyes as dead bodies from Rapture start to bubble up to the surface (laughs) and float on the top of the water. And Eleanor gives an evil grin at her reflection in the water below. The end.
1: Oh, that's fucking gnarly. (gasps) Holy shit, that was great.
0: And that was Bioshock 2.
1: Holy shit. That was amazing. I definitely played this. I could not tell you a single fucking thing that you just (laughs) described, but that was fucking great. Oh my God.
0: And like, I've heard people describe it as the twist is there's no twist. You've said that. I've said that because that's the way I I kind of remember it being presented, but I'm sorry. Sinclair being like the person who threw you into the big daddy program from the beginning. Yeah. I think that's a pretty big fucking twist.
1: Yeah, that he was nice the whole way up, and then he's like, "By the way, I sold you his meat." Sorry, I mean,
0: it's kind of his redemption arc.
1: Yeah, you know, certainly.
0: he does go out. He sacrifices himself to free you. Right but it leaves him as kind of this morally ambiguous character in the end because he did commit some serious atrocities. However, anybody living in rapture isn't a good fucking person.
1: Yeah, you're not there because you're doing great on the surface.
0: Yeah, because you want to be able to get away with bullshit.
1: Yeah, entirely. Most of it's basically Nazi scientists. Yeah,
0: exactly, right?
1: And, like, a lot of the people that end up there are, you know, have addiction issues and violence issues and... You know, it's it's the Wild West down there, and it's fucking crazy. It's Ugh. even
0: wilder than the Wild West down there, honestly. That's
1: true. Red Dead had a lot more morals to it than this
0: Yeah, more code of ethics. Yeah,
1: you know? But like, <laughs> Granted,
0: it did do like the same like honor run or the uh, evil run, too. That's true. <laughs> you, you could
1: choose to be the baddie or the goodie. Oh, that's good. What ending did you get on this most recent run?
0: I got the good one. You know, I've just because of Bioshock and how many times I played the first and stuff like that, I went with saving the little sisters straight up.
1: It's the, it's the right thing to do, technically.
0: Yeah. And then I also, like I said, I saved Grace Holloway that time.
1: Yeah. Thinking,
0: you know, she should live. And the others I killed off because, yeah, fuck Stanley Poole. Yeah. And you're really just doing Alexander the Great a favor by killing him.
1: He wants you to do it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> It, you, like you said, it is a mercy killing. It's entirely. Not, it, he's not in a good place. <laughs> it's like putting down a horse, kind of thing. You know? Right,
0: right. One that's broken its leg. Yeah. You're just. I- I'm doing you a favor at this point. Yeah,
1: you're welcome, buddy.
0: <laughs> Holy
1: shit! I am. I do appreciate like the evolution of hypnosis as the trope in this, because obviously with the first one, um, Jack is under hypnosis or he's coded he's kind of like a manchurian candidate situation where would you kindly is the trigger where they're just straight up saying we're using the hypnosis plasmid on everyone right so i wonder if um perhaps the timelines don't necessarily line up but if he was if jack was tested in the hypnosis plasmid usage versus how they just straight up were like yep that's what we're doing now or um if he was truly just like brainwashed and coded you know there's it's fascinating to see that that's kind of their, what they're leaning
0: on. I just think it's really cool to see them utilize the things that are in the gameplay to actually tell the story because so yeah. few games do that.
1: Yeah, they're like, oh, we're going to acknowledge the world and the science we built. Because this also is very much built on science and like this experimental science and how far can we push the limits of what could be possible if we
0: had no rules. Entirely.
1: It's great. And it's funny also because there's not a... To my recollection, I'm probably very wrong. There's not a lot of hypnosis in the lore of Infinite.
0: No, not too much.
1: At least not to this extent. I can be very wrong, though. I'm sure as we do it, you'll be like, no, you did not even play this. I'll be like, I played this so many times.
0: The thing that kind of drove me nuts playing through it this time was how many times I was like, my God, they just repeated this in Infinite.
1: Oh, interesting. So many
0: times. Like There were times where I literally wrote Elizabeth instead of Eleanor.
1: (gasps) because you have to go save your the little girl that's being trapped and shit.
0: Yeah, oh, and no. she becomes your sidekick and shit like that. And she even looks like Elizabeth. And spoiler alert for Infinite and stuff, it's about a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And so it's entirely possible
1: yeah. that Eleanor
0: and Elizabeth are the same person.
1: That's true. Although... This is Johnny Topside. This is
0: Johnny Topside, this is a right? a stupid fucking
1: name and I'm It sounds like a milkshake shop.
0: You know, <laughs> like, it sounds
1: like a diner in a beach town and I hate it. Ugh. It's, it's it just goes back to like half these names are fucking sick, half these names are fucking stupid. <laughs> there is no in between.
0: None whatsoever.
1: Ugh. Fuck, that's good.
0: I know. And I'm just happy to have a whole new group of references to make for new bio shots.
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> I truly
1: hope anyone listening to this did not play along.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, granted, you won't be t- completely sloshed, but. Yeah, you will. It's a lot of wheatgrass.
1: <laughs> it's a whole lot of vitamins. In this bitch. <laughs> thank you so much. That was a really fun one.
0: Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for uh, being here. We really appreciate it. And make sure that you subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Make sure you rate us on Spotify, on iTunes, on all the different places you can do that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you prefer to listen to this while you're on your computer or something, we also have YouTube versions thrown up on your TV while you're cleaning the house. If you don't want to put headphones in, totally get it. No pressure. If you want to listen to us go through keep the party rolling and go through to the DLC of Minerva's Den in the Bioshock 2 universe. We are covering that on our Patreon right now.
0: Yeah, you can go there and listen to it right now, as long as you're a member.
1: Yeah, and we appreciate truly anyone who wants to support the show. It's just us. We don't have any backers right now. Corporately, we're not part of a network. We don't even have ads on this thing. Mm -mm. Uh, So if you guys are able to support, we do appreciate it. And it just goes back into, you know, Website hosting fees, being able to afford uploading the show, things like that. It does cost money to put a podcast out there. So, truly, it's just going on to keeping the lights on.
0: Yes, most indeed, because electricity is (laughs) expensive.
1: We can't just get electricity shooting out of our hands like a plasmid.
0: We don't have the power of the sun in the palm of our hands either. So, we can't do that.
1: Oh, it's so good. (laughs) It's a delight. Well, anyway, Goombas, thank you so much again. We appreciate you. Thank you for sticking with us. If you want to keep the party rolling, we'll see you on Patreon for Minerva's Den. And if you're not, we will see you next Wednesday with another episode of The Other Castle.
0: And for now, Goombas, this is Tom and Andrea saying, don't skip the cutscenes.
1: Thanks, everyone.
0: One, two, Bye.
1: My daddy, he treats it so well.